The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We surprise even our friends with how long we can yam around about cars. And here we are doing it again with tons mm-hmm. to talk about. We've had a long day. As a matter yeah. of fact, this is on the Sunday prior to the Tuesday you're listening this to, to this podcast on. And we've been on the phone with a lot of our patrons. Thank you all for joining mm-hmm. us. This has been mm-hmm. uh, great. I think most patrons we've ever had on a Hangout call and just kind of yeah, talk about all kinds of stuff. It was really nice. Yeah, it was really cool. But before that, I was out, yes, wearing my Ask Me About Cheap Phaeton shirt in public. I was out at a car <laughs> show today. The Park City Car Club had their first outdoor uh, meetup because uh, sometimes they do restaurant stuff over the, week, over the, uh, the winter. Uh, first outdoor meetup of the season. And it looked to be a great day, about 50 degrees and all that, until about 30 minutes before we arrived. And a storm blew in, and it became awfully cold. But there was a huge turnout in spite of that. And uh, I had an odd moment. I don't even think I told you this yet. I had an odd moment because the FRS got recognized twice. Funny. And I know that because the people came to find me having seen the FRS, which I thought was really funny. But That's of course, that's awesome. just, I mean, I'm driving the FRS, the bright orange teenager's car with everyday driver, a uh, little, little tag on the side. So you can put the pieces together pretty quick. But uh, so that was cool. And uh, my son was running around. Uh, I will not share these until he is. Much older, but uh, my son runs around and does his own little everyday driver videos. He grabs a, a cell phone and shoots his own little own everyday driver videos. He was doing that. It was madness. That's but so it was funny. A, but it was a good day in spite of the cold. And now, I don't know what's happening at your house, but at my house, it's whiteout conditions right now. The storm is seriously here. Is it really? I haven't looked outside lately. It seems like every time we get some nice weather here in Utah, Utah remembers that it's still winter and says, oh, yeah, yeah right. In a big Here's way. A storm. In a big, big way. You took some nice photos on here. I'm even seeing Saabs, Saab 900s in the background here in mm-hmm. the photos yeah. on Instagram. There were 900s, yep. That's cool. Yep. There were a couple of 900s there, which is crazy. There was a uh, couple of really nice track-prepped Miatas. One was a, one was an NC, a guy that watches the show. Uh, Eric, I believe his name was. He, he was uh, talking to me a little bit about his NC Miata, which was gorgeous, hard top. And, uh, yeah, there was a guy there in an Audi. It, it's actually on our Instagram. I took a picture of it next to an M4 in that kind I'm of urine that. color that they that they do for the M4 but the S I'm sorry but what how else do you describe that color it's urine it's a urine metallic color candy it apple looks, mustard I, I don't know yeah exactly there you go that works too but but supposedly according to what he was telling people that that's an Audi S6 he got painted in a Porsche blue very according nice. to the owner it's the only one in the world and he just sold it to somebody and made money off of it so who knows if, how much of that story is true but i have to say it looked great in that color it really really did that's cool yeah nice photos on here that's amazing well uh yeah as i said lots to talk about here we've got a uh, great podcast for y'all and we've got george in philly he is a chemist at a company called CRC Industries. They make brake clean, gingivitis prevention mouthwash, and a best-selling line of women's <laughs> perfume. No, I'm just kidding about the brake clean part. Anyway, anyway, yes. he's got a truck coming off lease, and he's looking for his first sports car and mm-hmm. also coming away from motorcycles. He's had a lot of bikes. He used to live in L.A., and he used to ride the motorcycle all the time. But now, again, he's in Philly. And he's thinking about mm-hmm. selling, maybe selling the bike, but he's coming away from motorcycling and thinking, I want a good used sports car to kind of embark on this journey that we love about sports cars. So that's going to be yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will we've, be, for sure. We've also got Yan in New York City, who is uh, selling everyone his 2014 BMW M235i. <laughs> if you're in the market, we have talked it up. <laughs> we yeah, know true. where you can buy one. Yan's selling it because New York City, potholes, door dings, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's actually yeah. downsizing. Too bad, but true. So mm-hmm. he loves the car, agrees that it's it's really something else. But you know, he's talking about police presence and scratches and nicks and street potholes and all that kind of stuff. And it's just too much to really keep a car like yeah. that. In, in the city there. So he's looking for something a less that's still kind of fun, but will just work for New York. So I've got, mm-hmm. I've got a full-on sniper shot for, for Yan. I cannot oh, wait good. to share it. 
I've got I've got a couple for him. Plus, I've got a, a little wild card that struck me as I was reading his story. But yeah, I'm looking forward to, to George as well. Before all of that, though, can we talk about something that's been in the news? It's one of those. I feel yeah. like you and I should always try to talk about the news stories that are car related, especially when they get bigger than just cars. Oh, they yeah. become something yeah. that everybody's reading about. And this is one of them. I'm sure you've heard about it. I I don't want to overstate it by calling it the fall of Uber, but they have had 10 days of madness, for lack of a better way to put it. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah. we have, look, we have talked up Uber on this podcast. We like them. We've used them as, as a as a platform. We've we've used them plenty of times. We've been places oh, yeah. and used Uber. I've done it overseas. You've, you use both Uber and Lyft a lot. Yep. yep. So, I mean, both of us have used th- these services and enjoyed them. But the reason I feel like you and I should talk about it is because we've also talked about disruptors before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, this to me, this story, if you haven't read it, it's, it's covered a lot of places. I, I, I don't want to dig too far into the what almost – it almost feels like tabloid journalism, and yet it's not. They've had <laughs> a big sexual harassment blow up, uh, a couple of those actually, with different levels of the company. They had their CEO kind of go nuts on camera to one of their drivers – which is never good news. Never good. Uh, and then they have this gray ball thing. Have you heard about this? Yeah, I was just digging more into this, and it's uh, very easily searchable now. Gray ball, which is something else, and they've admitted to this program. You you realize this? I mean, you've they've heard of the concept of yeah. Admitted. You've heard of the concept of blackballing. You blackball somebody. You remove them from a service somehow officially. Right. right. So this that's what the term grayball means here. It is an unofficial blocking people from using the app. And they yeah, they said, "Yeah, we definitely did this." Unbelievable. Well, they've uh they've used this program that has evaded law enforcement authorities around the globe, not just in the US, to use this program called Grayball code that identifies and avoids the authorities who are trying to prove Uber's existence in markets where they're not allowed, where it's been deemed mm-hmm. illegal in cities where they've said Uber is not allowed <laughs> ride sharing. And they've – what did they do? Gray out cars or ghost out the app so you could actually pull it up. By the, They're identifying people who work for law enforcement and then they're correlating that with, well, they're probably trying to prove yeah. the fact that we're offering yeah. service here in this city and they're not some, picking yeah. them up so that it never appears. In some cases, yeah, it's craziness. In some cases, it was people that were also investigative reporters and or people in the legal department, you know, right. in the legal side of, of cities. And their profile, because, of course, all your data is out there. If you're one of those people who thinks my data is not out there, I'm sorry, <laughs> your data is out there. Uh, but, but so exactly. their data was out there that they were one of these people that Uber was worried about trying to prove they were where they weren't supposed to be. And, yeah, the app, you pull up the app, the app is running, and yet nobody ever takes your request for an Uber and you never get picked up. So you don't have anything to prove. The app works, <laughs> supposedly, and you can't prove anything. That's interesting. You know what I feel like in all of these, and this is where it comes back to the disruptor thing. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know a better way to describe this, but I just got to use it from my own experience. Some of the hardest when I was working in Hollywood every day, some of the hardest people to work with were the filmmakers we worked with that, for whatever reason, had either found great success or you are a genius, critical acclaim in their twenties. Mm-hmm. Those guys, whatever age they were, when we were dealing with them, they were nearly impossible to deal with. Because they had been told in their 20s, you know, we all love you. You're amazing. You're a genius. Right, They'd taken right. that to heart. It had created in them this kind of bulletproof demeanor where they could act however they wanted. I think this is the disruptor problem. Mm-hmm. For all of the things that they can do to reshape industries, you have ultimately very young people who had an idea. And the <laughs> idea blew up and became much bigger than them. And it's I, – I don't care – honestly, I don't care who you are. This is no character assassination at all. I don't care who you are. Like I say, I saw it in the film industry. When you're given that level of kind of worship, for lack of a better way to put it, and then financial uh, prowess and gain and all of these things and all these people are looking to you as being the next thing, that young, it's incredibly hard to deal with and wind up on the other side as, I hate to say it, a well-adjusted person who's nice to people. Hmm. And I yeah. feel like that's what yeah. we're seeing here at Uber. I, I feel like that it's it's that world. I'm not excusing anything, and I'm also not trying to shoot holes at anybody. I'm really not. I just feel like it's an example of, of the danger of what happens with this kind of success. 
And what happens next, I think, is very much to be determined. Well, you know, it even started way back with Steve Jobs, way back in the day, where nobody could mm. really get along with the guy. And he left the company, started his own other company, and then came back to yeah. Apple later on. Yeah. And, you know, you heard all kinds of stories about, you know, he was difficult to work for. But man, did he get results. Elon Musk is a great example. I've heard mm. all kinds of stories up one side and down the other. But man, does this guy get results. And I'm all for mm -hmm. disruptors in industry, wherever that, wherever that may be. And interestingly, I found an annual list published by CNBC.com who publishes this list of the top 50 disruptors in every industry, Airbnb, mm. Uber, Lyft, Slack, WeWork, SpaceX. Even you and I had gone, wait, gosh, this is more than 10 years ago now, when you and I went to see the the White Knight with Space One developed by Burt Rutan yeah. up in the Mojave yeah, Desert. Yeah, yeah. And we went up there for the early morning launch. And mm -hmm. just before everything began, a Gulfstream jet with a NASA logo on the tail landed at Mojave Airport. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you mentioned exactly. to me this I just remember this. You mentioned to me, you said, Wow, you must be doing something right when NASA shows up to your party. And exactly. I thought, Wow, disruptors. You built you built a rocket in your personal <laughs> hangar and yeah. NASA shows up to see you launch Just it. Come check somebody, it out. <laughs> yeah, somebody's paying attention. I agree with you. And you're right. I mean, I, I, yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because Burt Rutan has been, he has been, for lack of a better way to put it, he has been a fringe guy yeah. in aerodynamics and plane design for his entire career. All of his stuff looks like nobody else's stuff. It all looks nuts. And, you know, the SpaceX thing, we were there for the first actual con official uh, counted as a space launch, which was very cool. Right, And, right. of course, now Virgin's making their Virgin Galactic or whatever out of it, which is also awesome. But you're right. I mean, it, it is amazing to see how industries that are entrenched and NASA, industries that are entrenched, then kind of pop their heads up and go, what are you doing over there? Which is the cool thing about all these companies. But, wow, it's a slippery, slippery world. It is. It's, it's shaking everything up. It's bringing service to a, a whole new level and far cheaper in many cases. I mean, mm. I get into discussions about how can Uber and Lyft survive being unprofitable at prices that are half. I mean, a ride from San Francisco downtown to SFO International Airport is half the price of taxis. Exactly mm. half. Mm. How can they sustain yeah. this? And, sure. you know, Uber's not profitable. Airbnb is not profitable. Nor Lyft. Lyft is even asking for another $500 million. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it exists in our lives. And I again, I'm all for the disruption part of it, the new fresh thinking. But coming back to your point, it doesn't excuse bad behavior. So no. <laughs> it just seems like, yeah, the, the big disruptors, how do they think they're, you know, getting by? And, you know, I'm all for, you know, pushing things and, you know, pushing the edge, yeah. pushing yeah. the envelope. You have to, to get anywhere. But yeah. Why can't you remain, you know, <laughs> don't break the law and all those things? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Let's at least be legal. Let's yeah. try to make a profit. These yeah. are crazy, crazy ideas you're having, Paul. I don't know what's going on in I, your head. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all screwed up no, on No, I agree with you. I, I, I continue to be shocked, though, at the amount of VC money that is floating around. Clearly, you and I stood in the wrong line for people yeah, giving no out kidding. money. We just, I, I, I just missed. Is. I missed that line. Man. I don't know. There was Apparently, there was a velvet rope with a bunch of people who looked like a Disney line. I didn't know what it was, and that was the giving out money here line. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's an amazing amount of VC money out there on all of these disruptor companies. And, you know, you and I have been talking about the last couple of weeks we've been talking about as you've been dealing with kind of the cutting edge of autonomy uh, companies out of Silicon Valley or, you know, subsidiaries of larger companies out of Silicon Valley. You've been talking about how in all of those discussions, f as far as they're concerned, everybody already drives an electric car that's autonomous. Oh, and you're standing yeah. there going, no, no, they, no, they don't. Do you, do you guys know that like 50 miles that way? That's not true. <laughs> it's hard. And I came home and Todd and I were talking on Friday night and just doing a debrief. And I told him it's, it's hard to go to San Fran and the West Coast and be immersed with all these companies. I mean, I'm going mm -hmm. to NextEV, which has rebranded themselves as Neo, Neo.io, mm -hmm. Blue Sky Thinking. You're scrolling down, and there is a picture of a pretty hot-looking car, the autonomous car that now holds the autonomous lap record at Coda. I okay, but you know, this doesn't exist in the rest of the world, the rest of the U.S. It's you know the way some of these executives talk as if. 
autonomous cars are all there is and car mm. sharing and ride sharing is all there is now and the rest <laughs> of the industry doesn't even exist. Now, you have to think that way to a degree to get anywhere, to yeah. push programs yeah. and you know, push on technology and all that kind of stuff. But then I come home and I'm going, wow, I <laughs> it's uh, it's <laughs> sometimes a little bit difficult to reconcile the the future think and the tech that I'm in love with and I love learning about, but sure, then it sure. doesn't match up with the real world. At some point it will, yeah. but these executives talk as if, man, autonomous cars are coming sooner than you think. Maybe. We'll see. You know, they're here to a degree, but yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> but it's the, – the, the, the danger of it, though, I feel like is what we're seeing at, at Uber. And, and my point here is it's when you get into the disruptor mindset, clearly what happens is you believe I am so cutting edge that I am out to change the world. And therefore, yeah. how, however I do it needs to be okay with everybody else. Yeah, I think that's the danger. Is that is that I can, I I can have carnage in my wake, and that is on some level okay. And that's that's the disconnect that I think it some of these uh, forward thinkers struggle with. <laughs> yeah, is that the car the carnage in your wake still matters, even though we're all very excited with what you're doing. Look and what I've created. That's been the crisis point in Uber. Yeah, yeah. look look behind yeah. you. Look at the destruction you left. I mean, just, yeah, seriously. There, there's you know. <laughs> there's both sides of it. And I and I am again. I am in no way. I am in no way pointing fingers. The the pressure level of this, especially in the early twenties age, that a lot of these guys kind of go from. Last week you were living on a couch. This week you're the toast of Silicon Valley. The the change of that, the massive life change of that. I don't care who you are, what your age right. is, what your background is. That's hard to cope with. And, you know, I mean, we've seen it with, you know, even Zuckerberg and those kind of folks. I mean, well, oh, but yeah. you brought up Steve Jobs earlier. His his meteoric rise resulted in a crash. And even though, you know, as you've heard, as you said, you know, he was known to be a, a hard driving, sometimes too hard a driving guy his whole life. But I think he came back as an older guy, smarter to Apple the second time. Mm -hmm, but by that point, he was 10 years or more older. So it's, it, it's a thing that you have got to reconcile at some point. And I'm not claiming it's easy or, I mean, I don't have this problem. Uh, and I'm not even going to say it's a nice problem to have. I think it's a much more difficult problem than we realize. In spite of the fact you're bathing in millions, there's a, there's a crisis point there and Uber's dealing with it. It's just interesting to see because I think, yeah, Uber's having a bad 10 days here, but there's going to be other companies that have similar flailings and mm -hmm. you know trying mm -hmm. to redo this industry and we're going to continue to see that i think yeah you yeah. know may the bridges i burn light the way right you know <laughs> <laughs> it's so bright it's like daylight out here why is oh it's all those bridges on fire that's right. why yeah right. but but you know but we're going to see it here in the car world too i mean you know what's going to really happen really and i'm not even going to theorize i'm just going to going to put it out there rhetorically what's going to really happen with tesla and lucid and faraday Oh yeah. We don't know, <laughs> but there is like a there is like a sit back and watch the fireworks on all three of those companies. No matter what happens, there's going to be a firework, you know, display going on. And and I have to say one little uh, last kind of snipey remark as as we head on to some other commentary, maybe even actually a car <laughs> debate. But when GM partnered with Lyft, I remember thinking, why didn't you go with Uber? Now GM looks really smart. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. Good move, GM. Excellent move. Man. <laughs> and I hope the CEO of, of, of uh, hope the CEO of Lyft is getting some really wise counsel right now. Okay, see that over there? Let's not do that. <laughs> and you know? Yeah, anyway. To all you VC dudes and black hoodies, Lyft is looking like a pretty good investment right now. So they're looking for five hundred million, I hear. So if you got, you know, some pocket change, you could uh, you could give them a call. I think you and I are going to have to stop this podcast, never do the car debate again, restart a podcast and call it Billionaires in Hoodies. And just that's the title, and we're just going to riff on what a billionaire in a hoodie should do this week. It's going to be advice for billionaires in hoodies. I don't know who's going to listen to that, but that's my new podcast idea. Is that not only a t-shirt, but a line of clothing? That's a new line of clothing right there. We have a line of clothing called Billionaires and Hood Hoodies. And if we really want to be ironic, the only thing we don't sell is hoodies. Hey, because, I'm all for it. Because you're a billionaire in a hoodie. You already have a hoodie. Of course. Let us outfit you with everything else.
billionaire in a hoodie. There we go. Yeah. And wow. that's actually probably going to be some really weird alt band, too. I'm not exactly sure what they play, but but mm. uh, they probably don't wear hoodies either. But, yeah, let's do a <laughs> car debate before we get ourselves even, even further down into a very weird Sheesh. rabbit hole. 100,000 watts of folk music coming at you. Billionaire in a hoodie. Don't you want to go to that concert, too? Yep. Anyway. Frankly, yes. George is in Philly, as I mentioned before, and he is the guy that is the motorcycling dude. He's owned three motorcycles over a seven-year yep. span because he used to live in L.A. And then he mm -hmm. and his girlfriend relocated out to Philly, and yep. he's finding there's a lot of rain on the East Coast. So, <laughs> huh. Maybe yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, not able to get on the bike as much as possible. Hey, I love motorcycling. I worked for Kawasaki for a number of years. And uh, it's fun. I admit it. Just I just feel like it's not if, but when something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I cars are my first love, and we're here to help you get into your sports car, the sports car you've never had. He writes here. He's had no sports car ownership experience whatsoever. Which Agreed. That's crazy. He doesn't yeah. suggest let's, brands. Let's solve this. He doesn't suggest types of cars, or mm -hmm. all he gives us is a budget, and then says go. This is rare. Yeah. It, it is. And he tells us his story. And he even says he's coming out of this Ford FX4 pickup. He's got four months left on, on his uh, three-year lease on that. And he's saying he wished he would have found us about six months earlier because he found us shortly after the lease started. So he's just kind of been suffering through this pickup and realizing as the, as the motorcycles are not really as valid as they used to be, okay, let's get a sports car. $30,000 is a good budget. Uh, he also says he currently has a Toyota Yaris that is the the, the beat-around, do-it-all, needs-to-commute-gets-good-gas-mileage car. That's actually staying. So we, we have the kind of – which gives us even more freedom, I feel like, too. So mm. here we are with that world, and I thought of, I thought of actually four. Did you? That are worthwhile. Oh. I thought of four. And um, – you know, we're talking about a true sports car. And the thing that really informed me on one of them specifically was we have a guy coming out of a motorcycle. Yeah, so, okay, right. all right, that's, that's very informative. And, we, and he wants a true sports car. Um, I've got three different animals and a little bit of a wild card hmm. that I think may be the answer. But hmm. where did you go? I went all the way back to the beginning of our show. I'm, mean, I'm taking you way okay. back. To the videos okay. and the cars that we thought of as a starting place. Thirty grand. Mm. Okay. He's got this commute, forty-four miles round trip, three times a week. He's a graduate student, so he's got twice a week, ninety-mile commute. So there's driving involved, but a sports car, pure sports car. What's the recipe? Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. arrived at the current Mazda MX-5 Miata, an ND Miata. Agreed. Agreed. Sports car purity, all day long. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. But then, do you remember when we drove that NB Miata years ago, we paired it with a Z3. Well, how about fast forwarding to now? How about a BMW mm. Z4 S Drive 28i? I found you one. Mm. Get this. Okay. I found you one for 30 grand with 19,000 miles on it. Practically brand new, beautiful black with tan interior. Mm -hmm. I mean, at that point, you can get for thirty grand a brand new ND Mazda Miata, or a nearly brand new BMW Z4. With it's not the hot engine, but who cares? It's all about the yeah. recipe: yeah. The front engine, rear drive, manual transmission. But you could get automatic with either of these. You could go either mm -hmm. way here, George. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just thinking back to purity, and it's actually a nice sure. thought to have sure. to consider just that. That sports car look, the long hood, and these are the latest iterations of this. I don't know that there's yeah. really any other company. I mean, you've got the FRS, which definitely is up there, but Hyundai Genesis Agreed. is out of production Agreed. for the moment. S2000 mm -hmm. is no, no longer made. You could argue 370Z, something like that, but they're just kind of getting old as an old platform. These are the originals. Yeah. I mean, originals for the show where we started, and my head went yeah, right sure. to these two cars. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting because you and I, uh, clearly this is this is the answer because you and I are kind of thinking up the same thing. I mean, I actually brought up the Genesis. I think George should go drive it, even though obviously we're talking about a used car. Sure. Drive it to get a reference point. I think the Genesis is worth driving as a reference point. That's good because advice. The, Ge yeah. the Genesis to me feels like, I know this sounds weird, it feels like a bridge car. 
it's not as big as the Mustangs and Camaros of the world, which I actually think for George coming out of motorcycles and looking for a pure sports car, those cars are very agile and capable and surprising at this point, but they're too big. Mm. I feel like the Genesis is the bridge between those cars, the Mustang Camaros, and the FRS Miatas of the world. Yeah, That sure. Genesis is the car that is right in the middle as far as weight, as far as feel, as far as how much you know size you have around you. So I think you should go drive the Genesis because I'm curious kind of to know from you, George, if you were to drive that, does it feel big to you? Sure. Because I think the, yeah. the, the muscle car w- world will. I'm not sure about the Genesis. I think it has to be on the drive list for reference. The FRS, BRZ, and the MX-5 Miata are the heroes of what you're asking for. Yeah, I think they're yeah. absolutely out there. You Definitely. must go drive them. I think either of those could do it. I know many of you out there are shaking your head at the usual suspects aspect here, but listen to George's story. Right. And the coming right. out of a motorcycle, though, informs me on two others. Okay. All right. I'm just I'm thinking out loud, and they're a little bit more wild card because they are a little bit less usable. But if you really have thirty grand, definitely look at what you can get for an S two thousand for thirty grand. You're gonna have money left over, but you can get oh, a really yeah. nice S two thousand. And I honestly feel like that may be the best choice for you hmm. because hmm. six speed manual. It has a small. It, it, it feels if somebody were to tell me I'm as you have. I have a love for motorcycles. What car do I get? S2000 is almost my number one car for you. It's up there. It, it does just, feel like the motorcycle a, engine in it. It really does. It does. It, it, it feels like it has a bike personality yeah. in a great sports car. And then yeah. you do have thirty grand. I am the Lotus guy. I have to say Lotus Elise. That's more wild card, I think. My preference for you is S2000. But I feel like if we're talking small, light, driver-focused, we can't ignore the Elise. It's got to be on the list. Though my suspicion for you is Honda S2000. BAC Mono and Aerial Ad. Oh, you've got only three yeah. grand to spend. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. and, and, and he's dealing with rain, too. So, oh, you know. yes, rain. <laughs> well, you've got motorcycle helmets already. No problem. Mm-hmm. Hey, solved. <laughs> we are problem solvers. It's raining, but I have no roof on a motorcycle helmet. Bye, honey. I'm going to work. <laughs> going yeah. to work. Uh-huh. I'm going to be soaked when I get there, but man, was that fun. Anyway. <laughs> I was sideways the entire way, mostly terrified, but I'm at work, and it was cool. Yeah. Well, I, I really liked this question, George, so thanks for writing. I Yeah, let us know what you uh, come up with. And uh, thanks for writing in again because uh, this is really interesting to me. I just – I liked your bike proclivity. I liked mm-hmm. your – I've mm-hmm. never had a sports car. And I liked – you didn't suggest any brands. You were just open. Yeah. Yeah. Just sports car. What do you guys consider sports car? Knowing I'm a bike guy, go. So, yeah, I, yeah. I'm kind of back to basics. And I think – It's refreshing. Yeah, and I think rear-wheel drive light is the, is the things you need yeah. to be chasing – yeah, and I and that's why I, I, I know it's weird, but I think the Genesis is in there as a reference point because I wonder if that's too big, as I said already. But there's some really good options there, and you can come away. I think you you can find with any of the cars we're listing, you can find why we love to drive cars so much. Yeah, that yeah. that world of that of that weight is just you. You walk away going, oh, I now I get it. I know I, I really get it. So there you go. If you are so inclined, would you mind giving us a rating and a reviewing? That really does continue to help us, and it's because of you that this pushes this podcast into consistently the top ten and most mm-hmm. frequently the top five worldwide. Todd and I are very proud yep. of that, and we're very proud yeah. you're listening. It, it really is. And that's uh, you guys. It's helpful. It's all you guys, exactly. So Yeah, it's, it's great that you're listening and you're yeah. passing it on and sharing and reviewing. Please and do. We really appreciate it. And also, while we're talking about these kind of things, I, I want to bring up a couple little announcements related to television. Because we realized, you know, you and I have been so head down in it for so long yeah. that I'm starting to realize here we are about four weeks away. And, you know, episodes are delivering. They really are. Yeah, uh, they so are. I'm realizing that we haven't b- communicated as well as we should. We need to make a little video for YouTube to talk about this as well. But first off, if you don't know already, the show starts Saturday morning, April the 1st. That's not an April Fool's joke. That is when it starts. <laughs> so look at your local listings. If you have Velocity, and uh, here's what you need to do. Look at your local listings. Use your DVR. Record it whenever it will be. It will be early Saturday morning. Wherever you are, it may, it may shift an hour or two either way. So look early Saturday mornings. And I would just say set up your DVR, and if you would, just set it up for all 13 weeks. It will be 13 weeks 
every Saturday starting April 1st. That means it runs through mid-June. Mm-hmm. So tell yep. friends about it. We would love for you to be watching. We would love for you to be sharing it with friends. Uh, we, As you know from listening, a good number of the episodes are going to be reworkings of things on YouTube. But then there are three or so, three or four, that you have not seen before. Yep. So yep. it'll be a little bit of a hybrid season as we are already looking at season two. I know that sounds nuts, but we're already looking at season two and things we can shoot to be season two and then eventually work their way back to the web. But uh, the more you guys are able to help us with viewership on that, I, it really is going to drive the engine forward. We'll yep. be able to show yeah. our own ratings in this time slot versus the traditional ratings, like the historic ratings what we've used so far. We'll make our own ratings, thanks to you guys. We'll make a lot more content. We're very excited. But again, as, as with you listening to the podcast, we need your help here. I'm glad you suggested that. So yes, as uh, Todd said, the ratings on all the platforms really, really help us as we look forward to the future, which is a lot of fun. Some of the episodes remain unshot as of now, but we've got them booked and we're looking <laughs> no forward pressure. to it. No <laughs> pressure. No pressure. It starts in three weeks and there are episodes of that 13 that we have not even put a camera up on a tripod yeah. yet for. So yeah, in fact, in, in the case of one of them, cars aren't even entirely booked. So exactly. it is a, this is a... This is a moving train, folks. It is a moving train. Yes, I like definitely. how we could just put it out there, and yes, it's not quite in the can yet, so <clears throat> we're, uh, we're working towards hey, that. That's okay. It, the first yeah. six episodes are handled. First six are handled, and uh, yes, yeah, so we're, we're actually doing nine. Out of 13 episodes, we're doing nine episodes of content, and then there'll be some reruns in there. Uh, but uh, out of those nine, six are handled, seven's almost handled, and eight and nine are blowing in the wind right now, but we will get them done, <laughs> I swear to you. Well, thanks to you for your amazing editing work. And by the way, Todd is doing all that editing and post-production and all that stuff, so he's doing an amazing job putting that out there and getting us up. So look forward to that, and uh, we'll keep rocking here with the next podcast or the next debate for Yan in New York mm-hmm. City. Yeah, and thanks yep. for writing it in. And this stuck out to me as well because you have the car that Todd and I recommend so frequently, the 2 Series BMW. <laughs> and yeah. it's funny. I saw another yeah. just a week ago. Somebody wrote to us and said, it's not about which car you should buy. It's which, which 2 Series Todd and Paul think you should get. <laughs> and We're you called us on series. it. I, I admit yeah. that's pretty funny and entirely fair. It's come up a lot. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely <laughs> but it right. is. But we've talked about the M235i many, many times, and here Jan has one, and he has, he has admittedly loved it. But we're talking about driving in Manhattan, and it's getting beat on, and he's glad it's a lease because it has gotten beat on. The lease is ending. He's thinking, okay, I need a car that as much as I love this, and you, and you go on for like a paragraph and a half about how much you love this car. We're thrilled you've liked it this much. Yes. But then you yes. really get real about it, and you're just like, this is too much car for how I use it. It's getting beat on. It's costing me a lot. Let's go simpler and still fun. In an entirely unrelated note, if you're looking for a 2014 BMW M235i, <laughs> Todd and I know exactly where you can find one. So write to us yes. at... <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. That lease is ending. At least, hey, at least it's been at least it's been, you know, all the maintenance and all that kind of stuff. It's a car coming back off lease. So, yep. uh, you know, maybe you could have a you could get a deal out of the dealer because you know it it maybe hit, hit some potholes in New York and you could go, "Hey, you know, this car, I need to get it for a great steal." <laughs> I know the history. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Let me tell you the listen to this. This is the history of this car. Anyway, yeah, so let's get let's get Yan into something else. I actually came up with a few here. Uh, you did list for us uh, a lot of details about your commute. The largest car you've even considered is the G37 Infinity. That gives us a frame of reference. But you kind of feel like that might be too large once you get into parking in New York. Your list of order of importance is fun to drive is a top one, which I think is great. But number two is reliability mm-hmm. because you're going to yeah. be commuting in this thing in less than good roads. Also, build quality, comfort, and miles per gallon would be nice. Uh, and you have ruled out... I say this because one of us was going to go there. You've ruled out the Fiesta ST. Yes. You just, yes. It's just not big enough, and you don't really like the build quality, and so we got to be nicer than that. Okay. You've listed some options, and I've got some ideas. Well, keep in mind that for those of you listening, Yan does not need the functions of what an M235i can do, meaning yeah. he's not going to go track True. it. It's just a weekend car because he doesn't drive to work. He lives in New York City, after all. 
Yeah, and fair point. Yes, reliability is at the top of his list for this new car. But again, potholes, nicks and scratches and police just hunting you down all the time. So you can't go fast, all this stuff. And so yeah. it's like he's sports car downsizing but still wants something fun but doesn't have mm-hmm. to worry about. Less expensive, yes, agreed. reliable, agreed. less stress, and just something easy. Because I just – reading everything, Yan, I kept coming back to just easy. What is something that's easy to live with, still good uh-huh. cargo space? You mentioned you do have some road trips here. You've got uh, your folks over in New Jersey, 60 miles round trip once a week. Large road trips, you know, four to six hours during the year, but not that much. So think mm-hmm. small. Mm-hmm. Fiesta ST is out. Fiesta Bart is out. You gave us a list of potential cars you're interested in, but you even ruled out a GTI Mark Seven, WRX, BMW 330. All those are kind of off the table here, which yeah. made me rub my hands together in glee because there is a car I've recommended before, and I haven't for a long, long time, and I'm going to okay. come back to it. I think it's perfect. I found you one huh. for twenty grand. It Interesting. is all right. A twenty fifteen Honda CRZ EX. Twenty grand. This has nineteen hundred miles on it. It's brand new, black huh. on black. Tiny car, fun to drive, just enjoyable and super reliable, super easy to live with. And if it gets dinged, if you hit a pothole, yeah. I don't think you're going to be too concerned. It's a Honda after all. So, CRZ. Here's what's here's that's, what's shocking. That's my about car. that. Hmm. You and I, honestly, you and I tonight, just based on schedules, we pretty much just hopped on the phone call and started recording. I mean, this yeah. was a yeah. Okay, you're here. I'm here. Let's go. We didn't talk at all. That's my wild card. Is it him. really? It's the CRZ because I just thought. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It has all of the benefits of being a Honda, but yet it has this small, surprisingly agile, likable character about it. But I agree with you. There's no reason to be precious. That's and it's my gonna only do car. The, the reliability, and it's going to do the miles per gallon. Yep. And yet there is a surprisingly fun to ca- fun to drive car in that package. I think it's amazing. That's your kind of sniper That's shot, funny. and that was my wild card. So I there can't it is. That. I I do want to speak to three others. Uh, two of which you've brought up. You, you brought up the Civic Si. Yes, worthwhile option. I mean, we don't talk about it a lot. It gets overshadowed by some other cars. But there's there's really nothing wrong with that car in your scenario. Uh, I kind of wondered if, if to, to me, if it was Civic Si or CRZ, I think I'd go CRZ unless you need more space. I think the CRZ yeah. has oh, got yeah. a little bit more chuckable, unique character about it than, than the Si. And the Si is solid. I just don't think that it has quite the character of the CRZ. That's a little weird. But I just wondered, okay, the way you're using this and the fact that you're, I mean, you're not a track guy. You're not that. And so I just wondered about getting you something that you enjoy being in, even if you're stopped. I know it's not really a commute car, but even if you're stopped and you're big city driving. So I do think that the Mark VI GTI is a great option for you. Uh, sure, you might even sure. be able to get an early, uh, early Mark VII uh, that is a decent used buy. I, I, the new one you're talking about the new one being out because you don't really want to want to spend that much. So okay, but I do think that the late Mark sixes and the early Mark sevens used you could get a really good deal. So look at those. You did bring it up, and I think it's worthwhile. But you missed out on the Mazda three. Yeah, I was and thinking I think of that. you've got to drive the Mazda three. You, you just need to. It's the right size. It's it's another one of those cars that you look at the package, kind of like the CRZ. You look at the package and you and you don't realize that it's as fun to drive as it is. It's a genuinely fun to drive car, but was, it does yeah. all of the nice interior stuff that the that you like about the GTI. I think it outdoes the Civic in interior, and it's got a really good, just interesting personality to drive. I think you need to drive that Mazda three. I say even look at it in a hatch. You'll end up with a good looking, usable car that isn't precious. You can get them for a steal. I, I I know a guy that bought one six months old and he's paid twenty grand for it, and it's a nice one. Hmm. So you can cool. find deals on those cars. You can get it manual or automatic. Both are worthwhile. I think the Mazda three is a real contender. But I love that we both pulled out the CRZ from our history. That says to me, Jan, you need to go drive one. You definitely should. I think so. And again, Jan, this stood out because. Your podcast here is the opposite of what we usually do. My brain always goes to, all right, you've got this car now. For 
the least amount of money, what's more power, more fun, more, more of everything mm, sure, that sure, we can go. Yeah. This is the opposite. We're going back. You've got the car that we love and recommend. You've got power now. You love it, mm-hmm. and it's great. And now you're saying, I don't need that. And the cars that were all suggested here, they're not hitting the tens on all in the power department. They're not that. And no. Who cares? No. They're just simple yeah. and fun, and they've got character all their own. I'm, I'm kind of wanting this CRZ. I'm talking myself into this car. I'm like, <laughs> sure, black yeah, for twenty grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's got good looking wheels, and it's shiny, and this is cool. I just had so much fun on the track with this. I know you're not tracking it, but it just seems so nimble. I mean, you're going to be darting mm-hmm. around delivery trucks and cyclists and taxis and all the big city stuff, and I just. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm thinking this could be your car. And, you know, the cargo space in the back, it's still pretty spacious for carrying stuff. And yeah. it's just going to yeah. start. This thing's just going to run. It really is. <laughs> anyway. Very cool. Very <laughs> it cool. It stood well, out. As, as all, yeah, clearly it, it struck us both. I think that yeah, says something. That's uh, you guys, as always, have given us many, many questions on social media. Thank you for that. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we ask for them on all platforms. I've grabbed a couple tonight that are kind of a, a fan out of cars, people giving us a listing of cars and going, rank these for this purpose. There were two. There was one on Twitter for Donald Miller and one on Facebook from Gary Hayes. Thank you. You've both asked similar questions. Not similar cars, but those are the two I wanted to touch on. I figured we could riff on them for a while. But did you find some others you liked as well? Well, yeah. Christopher G. said, if we could make cologne out of a car smell, what would that smell be? Oh, man. Stop. (laughs) Christopher, cars generally don't smell good. (laughs) Generally speaking... But if you had to twist my arm, I'd go back to that E30 M3 that you and I drove in the Icon or the, the late 80s 911s. They smell just leathery. And, of yeah. course, if you had a cologne that made you smell leathery, you'd then smell like the inside of an old car. But it was yeah. it was striking, and I just – yeah, that smell evoked the most memories, and that's what I associated this sure. with. Sure. But generally yeah. speaking, I will say, yeah, cars are <laughs> not something that's it's that look. <laughs> it's that oil, it's that oil and leather and gasoline combined yeah. smell yeah. from that era that honestly even goes back to the E-type. I mean, the E-type had a very specific smell about it. The E-types my dad had, oh, which again sure. were when I was a yeah. kid. But anytime I get in a car that has the smell that is reminiscent of that E-Type, I can instantly identify it. It's a total scent memory thing for me. And it takes me back to, to being a kid and falling in love with that E-Type kind of at a distance and mm. wishing I could drive it. And I was, a, I was a tiny little kid. So that is a smell that definitely has a major <laughs> resonance with me. I don't think I would wear that smell, though. Yeah, I'd, no. I'd, love to have, I'd love to have access to it, but but I also wonder, you know, like my my wife is one of these candle people, okay? Where, oh yes, you know, there's 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 many many candles in the house, and we go back and forth sometimes because she'll light one, and she's and, and I'll walk into the room and just kind of stop dead, and she'll be like, "Isn't this one awesome?" Like, they, yeah, it's giving me a headache. So we have every now and then we have candles that we just do not agree on, but then other times the house smells wonderful. Let's be honest, I'm a male. <laughs> The house would smell terrible if I was left to my own devices, okay? It smells halfway decent and is a nice place to be because I am married to a wonderful woman who actually likes candles and nice things. Okay, but having said that, I wouldn't want to disassociate this leather and oil and gasoline smell from cars. I wouldn't want to have it in a candle or a cologne. I'd want to be able to have a car that has that smell that I can just link it back to the driving experiences. Maybe that sounds weird, but that sounds more interesting to me. Well, I'm just wondering now, you touched on it. What if we did come out with a line of candles that was, you know, one candle is old E-type and the other candle is Porsche 917 <laughs> Le Mans and this one is, ooh, a 60s Ferrari. Let's light that candle. What if we Candles just... for your man cave. Mancavecandles.com. Hey. There it is right there. I'm looking up. Does that URL already exist? Because based wow. on the internet I've seen, probably. But mancavecandles.com, I am actually typing that into a URL right now. <laughs> I can't believe that. Mm, you smell good. What do you call that? Oily leather. Uh, okay. <laughs> Great. Man cave. Hmm. That doesn't exist. Well, it does? An opportunity. Are you kidding me? Yeah, oh that that gosh. doesn't go anywhere. Mancavecandles.com. Do they come in like a beer can? Is it like a, a, a cut-out beer can top with a candle in it? Is that how that works? 
It has to it be can't a whiskey be in the nice... for me, like cut in half. But th- no, but they can't be in. They can't be in glass. It's going to be knocked off a shelf at some point. It's got to be in something That's else. That's true. Old you know, these are man cave oil candles. Can. Anyway, oil yeah. cans. Yeah. Mm. Old shop rag. New from Man Cave Candles. Old shop rag. Mm, let's light a anyway. bunch of those. Mm. <laughs> How to drive your wife away from your man cave forever. <laughs> we can help you at mancavecandles.com. It's almost a wow. .org. It's almost a public service. It is. Yeah. Unbelievable. Anyway. All right. Um, so you have some cars really, to really rank. move on from that. Right? I do. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh! Off the deep okay. end, everyone. <laughs> Gary, Gary we, we hey, it's a short trip for I us. I think we jumped uh, on the Gary, diving board on that one. That was just we got yeah, some air. Gary Hayes on Facebook said, "For street driving, no track, no autocross, street driving. What do we think is better? The high performance, high cost variants of things like Boxster and Cayman, or the low cost, low performance versions like the Miata and GT86? Street driving only." Hmm. Uh, I want to say it's hard. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's hard. Well, it kind of is because you can't just relegate boxers and caimans to tracking and autocrossing because they are boatloads of fun on the street. I actually got baby yeah. out this morning. Yeah. I gave the GTS some exercise before the storm <laughs> blew in. and Yeah, it was, it was just, warm enough this morning for sure. Oh, yeah. It just reminded me of everything we love about summer. But just for street only, I kind of admit – just a Miata and a GT86 are so easy, and just street driving, I kind of have to lean that way. There is a bit of complexity and preciousness and carefulness to the Boxster and Cayman. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, yeah, I admit, I admit. But Yeah, I, I kind of want to unpack okay. this a little further, Gary, and I wish I had a way to do that uh, with you. But um, here, here's my thinking. If you're going to say street driving, what kind of street driving are we talking about? Is this... I'm mostly moving driving, or is this you're going to be stopped a good amount and doing commute like stuff and go run errands oh, and that sure. kind of thing? Oh, sure, yeah. Because the Miata and the GT86 are really fun to drive, but they are cars that are about consistent motion and, and carrying your speed. Once you get stopped in them, you realize they're small and the interiors aren't that nice. And, oh, look, that's you know this is surprisingly loud in here. And these kind of things start to strike you when you aren't linking corners in that car or just enjoying the fact that it cruises well, okay? So I think if we're going to talk about a car that you're going to sit in for traffic or do long road trips in or, you know, what kind of street driving are we talking about? If you were going to drive cross-country and you asked me this question, I would say you got to go with the Porsches. If you were going to spend half of your life in sure. it driving at 10 miles an hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic or cruising down a cruise road, I kind of think they win, too, for interior quality. But if we are moving and enjoying them, there is something special about those low-powered cars because you get to do speed maintenance. You get a relationship with them because you're trying to pull something out of them. So I think it depends on the drive, even beyond not tracking autocrossing. Uh, yeah, I can see that. If it's if it's just hop in, go run errands, go you know go to work, that kind of thing – there's a bit more of an event with a Boxster and a Cayman. There really is. You're, mm-hmm. There's some anticipation. Yeah. There's, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I admit to some precious stepping, you know, through potholes and that kind of thing. Yeah, you definitely do. So, but okay. And, you know, as you're saying, it's it's just easy to jump in these other two, which is fine. And I just, it, it, yeah, it kind of depends on what you're what you're using it for. But it does seem like... The easy to live with factor leans towards the Miatas and the GT86s of the world. So sure, I can see that. It, it, there's 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 some unknowns here that that uh, matter with personal proclivities. There it is, ding ding. Nice, uh, but nice. Uh, it's a good question anyway. Uh, I have another one, a harder one. I feel like from Donald Miller. I don't know if you saw this one on Twitter, Paul, but you may want to. Did I'm looking at this, this too? This list down. Yeah, this is this is a hard one, but it's a good one. He said, "Please rank the following: favorite to least favorite." For a spirited canyon runs. We're talking about you have a canyon, a great canyon road in front of you. These are your cars to pick. What's our ranking of best to worst? I'm going to list the cars in the order he listed them in. C5 Vet with the excellent Z51 package. Fiesta ST. NC Miata. So that's a third gen Miata. 997-911 or WRX. Those are the five in the order he listed them. He's asking us to rank them. I could talk this for 20 minutes, but I shouldn't. Where are <laughs> I was you? I going to say. 
uh, Donald, are you shopping for these cars? Because we could tweak any yeah. one of these. We could say, well, how about a Grand Sport? How about a Focus ST or an RS? Well, you've listed WRX. Sure. What about an Evo? You know what I mean? We could we could yeah, yeah, yeah. slice and dice this, but we'll stick with what you've got here, which is great. Mm-hmm. I uh, Anything involving a spirited canyon run involves speed for me. I got to come away exhilarated and going, whew, that was fast and fun and demanded a lot of me. That's what I mm-hmm. love about the canyon runs that you're talking about here. And so, therefore, I've got to start with cars that are just simply fast. And so the 911, I've, I'm a Porsche guy and I'm going to admit it and I'm going to go with it. But hmm. the C7 Vet is pretty close behind because of the power and because of – this car does that? I, I had no idea. Whereas sure. lower on the list, as fun as it is, the Fiesta ST can carry speed all day long on track and through a canyon, soaking the Miata. But then when you come out of that corner, you just want to punch it on a straightaway and connect the corners. That's where I need the power. So I'll say mm-hmm. 911 C7, then the WRX for its engine. And I'll probably put the Fiesta ST last, even though... They're $12,500 now, and we should all have one. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Had to they sneak are that your in disposable there. pocket change car. You no, know that was yeah. coming. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going for something that's just fast, fun, exhilarating. It's, yeah. you know, for you can make the argument to carry your speed and dice things up and extract more out of it, but I've got to have the speed. That just, huh. that just really does it for me. So when I'm... I, yeah, I yeah. love when this stuff happens. I really do. I love when this stuff happens because as I started to think <laughs> this through, thanks for this question, Donald, I realized my order couldn't be different from yours, couldn't be more different. I kind of suspected, actually. I kind of suspected. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And as I start to, to really unpack this, and Donald, look, here's the other thing that you have to remember and the audience has to remember, and probably why you gave us this list, none of these five are a bad choice. That's, that's true. the thing about it. If you gave me any of these cars, and this was my car for the day, and you gave me a Canyon Road, I'd say, how quickly can I leave? There, there's really not a car here that's like, ooh, taking that down a Canyon, I don't know. But you've asked me to rank them, so I will. I'm going to go, just first off, I'm going to say last for me is the WRX. Okay. And I say All it right. because I really like that car. Look, I own my Saab 92X. The current WRX is is the engine that the FRS should have in it. It should have it, that turbo engine. There's a lot of great things I like about that car. It's one of the the world's best do-it-alls. But if you're on dry pavement, that car reveals itself as what it is, which is an all-wheel drive, altered, you know, small sedan. Okay. And 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 it's sure. very fun, yeah. but it doesn't have the dynamic personality of the other things on this list. So, in my number 4 slot, I'm putting the 911. Not mm. because I don't like it. I actually the no, 997 one of faves. one of my all time favorites. But here's my concern about the 911 in this scenario. That's the only car on your list that I think, as a driver, you might find it precious. And if you find it precious, you might not have as much kind of carefree fun in it. It's a great car to drive. Possibly, you take it on a back road, you'll thoroughly enjoy it. But I wonder if you might have that little voice in the back of your head the whole time going, "Easy there." Easy, which is not a bad voice, but I wonder if you would be a little extra cautious in your 997 and and less carefree. And to me, if you're going to go do a canyon run, you just want to be carefree about it. You want to be just completely in the moment. I'm going to go drive hard, and I'm not I'm not stressed at all. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put the 911 as low as that. But please don't get me wrong. It's one of my all-time favorite 911s. I'm putting the Fiesta ST at number three. Okay. The thing about this car is just... It's a laugh. You can't get away from the fact that that car is a laugh. And people hate us talking about it so much, except for people that own them, because they get exactly. it. But it is one of these cars you go, you look at, I will admit it. When I first heard about it, I went, what is this now? Ford's done what to a Fiesta? How can that be good? And then I drove yeah, one. right, right. And it's just a car that you cackle with laughter as you drive it. It's not the fastest. It's not the most dynamic. It's none of those things. But there's personality that is just a riot. So it it is in my number three slot. My number one, number two are a fight. But I'm going to actually say number one is the NC Miata and number two is the Vet. And here's why. Hmm. Back when you and I first drove the Nissan GTR, 
I had it and took it up a great road outside of Los Angeles, and I was thundering up this road, as you do in a GTR. <laughs> as GTR one does in road... GTRs. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I, I don't care who you are. That car, you have a road with very little traffic. You are thundering up that road at a shocking speed in a GTR. Going to your but coffee I came shop, around you're a... thundering to the coffee shop. Exactly. You're a blur. Anyway, so I came around a corner, though, and I came up behind a guy in an NC Miata, top down, driving this great road. And for two or three corners, when the corners were blind and I had no way to pass, I just was hanging out behind him. And I remember, I told you this at the time, I remember thinking while driving that GTR, you know, breathing down his tailpipes until I had a chance to, and I didn't need much room to pass. As soon as we got any kind of opening, I was gone. I left him like he was parked because it was a GTR. (laughs) But I had the thought, seriously, I had the thought before I passed him, I thought, you know what? I bet you at the end of the day, he will have as much fun on this road as I am. There's something about the, the Miata and that just style. Look, look at the cars I love and own. This isn't a surprise coming from me. But there's something about those cars that ask you to ring them out and are well-balanced so there's no surprises. And with a Miata, the opposite of the 911 I'm talking about here, it's cheap. Yeah. If you happen to ding your Miata, yeah. you know, it, it just, drive, just drive your Miata. So sure. In Miata, I'm sure. putting it number one because of that enjoyment level. C7 vet right behind it because every time we drove that car in a canyon, I was surprised by it. Oh, absolutely. I was surprised by how it felt smaller than I expected. It was more powerful than I expected. It had more attitude than I expected. That is a really, really fun car. So, yeah, one through five real quick. NC Miata, then the vet, then the ST, then the 911, and the WRX last. Great question, Donald. Thank you. Yeah, it is. Although sound is a big deal for me in a canyon run. Enjoying the engine mm-hmm. note and the rise and fall and all that stuff. Sure, yeah. And I maintain that the 911 and the VET are going to have the best engine note of all of these cars. Oh, agreed. No, with, without question. Without so question, they will sound win. is yeah. a big part of the experience for me. And mm-hmm. coming down, sure. downshift, sure. downshift, back up through the gears and just feeling the mechanics of the car and enjoying the sound ricochet off the canyon, mm-hmm. that's a huge part of it for me. And I want to not remember the canyon at the end. I want to be just – I don't want to remember the sure. turnouts in the scene. I want to just know that I just did that road. I don't want to remember what I saw <laughs> in the canyon. <laughs> Funny. Interesting. Because <laughs> you know me. I'll be able to walk you back through it in my brain. Because you can say, yeah, remember that turnout, five turnouts back? Yeah, we need to – what? You and your Did you see that broken memory. beer bottle that was three turnouts back there? Seriously. Yeah, exactly. That'll happen. But, you know, you bring that up. The day that we had that C7, we took it down a great, great canyon road. And yeah. I remember it was one of those yeah. rare days where whoever was out of the car shooting had almost as much fun as the person driving. Yeah. Because yeah. you're standing there on the ridge line listening to this thing come – just sound-wise, just come hunting for you. It was just oh, hunting yeah. for you. And then so now it's amazing. on camera and it's thundering off the walls. It was great. And then back to the 997, we enjoyed that. But the day that we shot in the canyons with the 997 GT3 RS 40, oh, oh. we had – I'm not kidding you. When we shot that for 50 years of 911, we had a few people that stalked us in the canyon and ended up pulling out in turnouts where we were shooting where they had heard – the ricochet of that crazy engine. You remember yeah. this? They'd heard yeah, it farther do. down, and they had come up the canyon seeking it out because they thought, what is that engine note? And we had a couple people that parked in turnouts as we drove the car and just parked and listened to it go by. Yeah, amazing. I remember that Truly now. amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it has been almost 20 minutes that we're talking about that. Anyway, uh, yeah. what else yeah, here? Yeah. I want to touch on Devin's question here about aftermarket warranties. You and I have talked about this in the past, and we should actually talk about it a bit more. It's something that is – it's always a big consideration, especially used. And did you get an aftermarket on your FRS when you bought it? Uh, I had because it was certified pre-owned. I had a one-year through Toyota, and that that is not timed out. Okay, but you didn't add on top of that, I didn't add. I didn't add. Nope, nope. If we end up getting a cheap used Phaeton, we're going to have to have a serious conversation about aftermarket warranties. <laughs> the warranty anyway, yeah, going. is going to cost more than the Phaeton. More than the car. This. It's going to cost more than the car. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Somebody, if there's a smart underwriter in the world of long-term uh, used car <laughs> warranties, they're going to see a Phaeton come across the desk and go, no, 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 yeah, no, exactly. no, we're not doing that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Devin's asking here about his friend. Is this your invisible friend? No, it's uh, a buddy of his who bought a used 550 BMW. 
Well, the 550 would be the 5 Series, but maybe it has the same engine. But yes, the 550i had an incredible V8, but apparently it won't stay on the road because the intake system went, the engine management system went, the AC. And Devin was saying here, if he hadn't bought this extra warranty, he'd be out $10,000 in work within just a few months of ownership, which Mm. is scary. That's crazy. So therefore, hugely worth it. And I... I'm back and forth because the first uh, Cayman that I bought, I didn't buy an extra warranty on that. It did have a little mm-hmm. bit left over mm-hmm. from Porsche, and that's what I went with. And so the Audi, I guess the Audi still did. But, yeah, I've always left it as the factory warranty, whatever's remaining on the factory warranty. And then my thing is maintenance. Preventative maintenance will ideally solve all that stuff. But, of course, Devin, it doesn't prevent what your buddy's going through here with intake and the AC. I mean, that just apparently went. So mm. I I am growing in my love for warranties because I'm experiencing it with the Jeep Grand <laughs> Cherokee. They yeah. just replaced yeah, yeah, the yeah. entire steering rack on that car under factory <laughs> warranty. But a part yeah. that you think, well, that'll last forever, the life of the car, forever. And that went, it drained all the fluid out of it. Just And yeah. <laughs> it actually collected in the boot and therefore it didn't drip at all. But I was hearing grinding and gnashing of teeth in there going, You were, yes. Okay, what's this? Thank goodness it was under warranty. So I'm, I'm increasingly that way for more expensive cars like <clears throat> cheap used Phaetons, BMWs, the European cars, all that stuff. <laughs> I, can no longer t- I can no longer tell you to not consider that, even though the warranties seem like a waste of money up front because they're expensive. And maybe you'll never need it, but it's like not having the umbrella, it's going to rain. If you've got it, you'll be fine. So I'm, I'm more and more leaning towards warranties despite the fact they cost so much, but yeah. you, just, you just never know. Here's a brand-new engineered Jeep. You know, Come on. It shouldn't, it shouldn't have the problems it did. The electronics, the you know, HVAC control unit, just kaput, gone, done. Yeah. Well, and, I, mean, I, I will admit I've rolled the dice on my cars. I've rolled the dice on all of my used cars and haven't gotten an extended warranty. But uh, And I've, I've done okay. But the problem is if you hit on some big has a massive comma in it uh, problem, that really can drain you. And you just got to be braced for it. So you kind of yeah. got to figure out your pain tolerance to some degree. And, you know, there are people that find me completely insane for having not gotten a, a extended warranty on my wife's Cayenne. Uh, but it's got uh, it's coming up on ninety thousand miles, and it's needed maintenance, but it hasn't had any weird problems. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. there seem to be a, a segment of people watching the long terms on that truck that are just astounded. It hasn't, I don't know, <laughs> disintegrated in my garage for some unknown reason. It's amazing <laughs> it's the reputation 80. some cars have. <laughs> yeah, it's just suddenly I go to, get out of the <laughs> garage, it's just dust between four tires. Yeah, it, that hasn't happened at all. Um, so there, there is a. It is a dice roll to some respect, but you also have to figure out, okay, am I willing to just pay for maintenance when it needs it, or do I need to be protected? I think the more complex a car is, i.e. the Phaeton joke, the more complex a car is, the more things that can go wrong with it, the more of a, of a risk you're taking. We have a base Cayenne. There's no air suspension. There's no turbos. You know, it's, yeah. it's a fairly straightforward car. <laughs> Less to go wrong. If I had, yeah, seriously. No, that, but I mean, that's the running joke, but it's a true thing. If you have a car that has all kinds of massive bells and whistles, I think you're much better off to defend yourself because it's that little weird technology cutting edge stuff, at least for the time, that goes wrong. The guys that had the twin turbo 300ZXs had far more maintenance issues than I did with a, with a base NA. Hmm. So that's something to consider for sure. It just reminds me of when my dad was flying, you probably know that he had a couple of airplanes in his life, but they were small Cessnas. He had a 206 mm-hmm. early in his life and then later a 182 that was really nice. And they both had fixed gear. And I would kind okay, of ask yeah. him, I said, well, why, you know, the retractable gear, the RG, Cessna 182 RGs, they're so much they're cool. faster. Yeah. They're cool. They look sleek when they're moving and they're a lot faster. And he said... I will never forget to put the landing gear down in this airplane. <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> Nor and, will I ever have a problem with it getting stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that is an issue when, you know, for aviation insurers, landing with the gear up, you'd think you'd just get it, but guys do it and they curl the prop right underneath. And oh, 
Yuck. Fuselage is done and insurance claim. And my dad said, I will never forget to put the landing gear down. Every single that landing funny and terrible. I will land. Yeah. So I, same thing with the cars. <laughs> you don't have the air suspension. You don't it. have all the complex electronics and that kind of stuff. So if you do, yeah. CarMax does this. They do that incredible warranty thing. And yeah. it's expensive. It is really expensive. But if you're going for a Range Rover or a BMW 550 like Devin's talking about, not a bad idea. And he's just proven yeah. it. So I'm really warming more and more to it. I will be honest. That's amazing. Very interesting. Well, we should, uh, we should probably try to wrap up here because without even trying, we have a more than one-hour podcast now. See, this is the what yammer. We do. So, uh, Yammering happens. I know. This How is what we do. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us as always. Uh, we, uh, we do have more videos coming. I will also admit, though, that most of the focus right now is TV, so we're probably going to be at, every, at about every couple weeks you'll see a new video out of us on YouTube, and we will inform you about uh, all the TV stuff as it, as it happens. And, yes, April 1st, Saturday morning, going to be great. So we look forward to having you with us. Huge thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Don't uh, forget to catch our videos on YouTube and rate and review, as we said in the middle of the podcast. And until next time, everyone, cheers.